Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? It's myself and Brett here, and we are going to recap game one of the NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. It was, uh, Brett, we'll get you in right away here. It was, uh, I, th- I thought the first half was pretty entertaining. I, I wish you would have been on, um, shout out to our homie, uh, uh, Nathan Grubel, his Draft Deeper podcast. I, w- I was on there yesterday previewing game one, and, and Brett, I, I shit you not, it went exactly how I said it was going to go. I thought Milwaukee was going to be going to be into it throughout the first half it was going to be competitive and then phoenix would, would pull away and and sure enough i thought we'd get a humongous chris paul game sure enough and uh, i thought Giannis would he would kind of test the waters a little bit didn't know how how good he would be but i just thought the crowd and phoenix being a little bit more well well, uh, well rested was going to be too much for milwaukee to overcome so my man good game one right i thought the crowd and phoenix was into it what uh, what are your kind of your quick takeaways as we begin this podcast here yeah, I think the crowd was a big part of it. I mean, I just think the Suns had more energy as a whole, and I think they just played crisper basketball. You know, they they were just a little bit sharper than the Bucks, a little more energized, and that's not too surprising, you know, considering that they they were the home team and and you know the level of energy that we've seen in their crowd has been phenomenal. So I do think that was a big part of it. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I, I was delighted to see that Giannis was playing I really wasn't sure if he was going to suit up until you know a couple hours before tip or whenever I heard that he was going to be playing and I thought he looked great physically um but I just think he looked a little tentative at times which I think is more of a mental thing just you know a guy that hasn't been hurt a lot that's been one of the great things about Giannis is that he's been pretty damn durable throughout his career so just kind of coming off a knee injury of any degree. Um, I think he was just playing a little bit tentatively, but he looked okay physically, uh, if you know what I mean. And I think in game two, we're going to see um, a version of Giannis much closer to that, which we saw, you know, during the regular season and, and before the injury in these playoffs as he becomes a little bit more secure on that knee, like, okay, I'm good to go. Um, he wasn't hobbling around or anything like that. He just was reluctant to do uh, some of the moves that that he's been known to do. So uh, overall, that was encouraging. I mean, I thought he played well. He was great in the first half, especially the first quarter. And I believe he was the only uh, Bucks starter with a positive plus minus. He was he was plus one. So uh, there's no doubt he was effective on the court. And I think he's going to be very important for them defensively. And I know we're going to get into why. But uh, but yeah, it was. Oh inc- yeah, yeah, encouraging though overall from Giannis, even yeah. though. He didn't have his greatest game. He only took, what, 11 shots, I think. Um, yeah, he, yeah, you could tell whether it was fatigue or whether it was the knee or whether it was mental. He kind of, he wore down a little bit at the as the game went on. I, I said on the record yesterday, uh, again, on Nathan's podcast, I would not have played him this game. I would have kind of let him. It would have been mm. nice for him to kind of ease in a little bit. Um, it, it, just for a variety of reasons, you never want to give up a game in the, in the NBA Finals, but I, I thought – Phoenix was just going to come out and hit us, hit Milwaukee right in the mouth. They did. I didn't like that Giannis was in there. I know they tried some small ball stuff in that fourth quarter, and they kind of cut the lead to seven. Uh, I still didn't like that he was in there. I, I thought Phoenix was was in complete control the entire game. I maybe would have waited to maybe game two, maybe game three at home to bring him back. Like I said, I, I think it's it's because again now, man, day off. He's got game two, and then now he gets from Thursday to Sunday to get two days off. And then I think there's a, there's another two days off between game three and four. So I, that's the only reason why I would have done it. Just get him as much rest as possible. And plus I, I kind of liked the way that drew and Chris were playing 
with Giannis in there. Obviously, if, if Milwaukee wants to even have a chance in this series, they need Giannis to play. But, I mean, I think to me, and, and we can kind of get into it a little bit more, Brett, but I thought to me the story of this game was Phoenix. Uh, I mean, I thought they were phenomenal. I, I said to my buddies and in the group just watching that game, the biggest difference to me was Phoenix was the more aggressive team. I thought for in order for Milwaukee to win this series, they need to be the more aggressive team. And Drew Holiday has to be, be the head of the snake with that. I thought Drew Holiday looked very tentative. I don't want to say the lights were too bright, but he did not look how he looked like in games five and six of the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and you could tell by the tail of tape, right? I mean, Phoenix got to the foul line 26 times. I, I thought Devin Booker, for as much praise as he get, I mean, I, I think he was only like eight for 21 or, or nine for 21 like that. It wasn't like he shot good, but he just got to his spots and he got to the free throw line. And, you know, it's a, a, a Phoenix... 25 for 26 and Milwaukee, I believe was nine for 16. There's your ball game right there. You know, the Phoenix yeah. was definitely the more aggressive team. They got to their spots. I think some of the stuff, I, I think I thought Milwaukee adjusted a lot in this game, actually. Uh, you know, it was just, you're going against the team that is probably most suited for, they're just a mid range jumper shooting team and they're going to get to their spots no matter what, whether you play drop down, whether you switch, I mean, you're going to have to give them different looks, be more aggressive, but I just thought that, you know, Phoenix – I don't know how Phoenix can play any better. I, I really don't. That was – to me, that was the story of the game. What what did you see from Phoenix that you really liked, Brett? Yeah, I mean, obviously the free throws were a huge part of it, and I think it sort of made up for some actually almost subpar three-point shooting. They actually shot just 11 of 34 as a team. Milwaukee, Milwaukee was actually a lot more proficient from three, uh, which is kind of surprising looking back at it. But, yeah, I mean, they went, like you said, 25 of 26 – Booker was 10 for 10 from the line. Aiton was six for six and Paul was four for four. So that's kind of their big three going 20 for 20 from the line. I mean, that's huge. And, and I mean, it really is important to, to be able to make free throws. It, it, it always has been, and it always will be. And the Suns are a team that, that makes their free throws and Aiton, like the six of six doesn't seem like a lot, but Aiton's a guy that this is the big knock on him is he, he never gets to the line. I think he, he averaged fewer than three, free throw attempts per game on the regular season. It's almost hard to believe, but he's definitely going to the rim. You know, even when he rolls and catches him, he's just going a little harder than he usually does. He's definitely infused with a little extra something right now. And I'm not implying the, uh, what he got suspended for a couple of years ago, but um, no, just, (laughs) just, just a level of energy, man. And, um, and aggressiveness. And so even, yeah, six free throw attempts doesn't seem like a ton for your center, but for a guy like Aiton, that's that's really encouraging. And the thing about Aiton is, is he can make his free throws. He's almost an 80% free throw shooter, I believe, uh, for his career. Uh, definitely high 70s. Uh, so that's really valuable, like we've seen with Embiid. If you have a big guy that can not only get to the line a lot, but but connect on him, that's huge. So him getting there six times is encouraging. Obviously, we'd like to see that in double figures. Well, maybe you wouldn't, but you know I would, sons and four. But uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a big part of it, man. And then to get back to what you said about Holiday, I agree. He just looked like almost out of sorts like you know like he he missed a lot of these kind of uh floater type shots well the, the, the entire team did i mean i mean yeah like you like keep going but to me that that first half milwaukee missed so many layups they did so they, many layups yeah i'd like to see the stats on their points in the paint but it, it had to have been like 50 percent at best like it was it, it they did they missed a lot of layups they missed a lot of pretty easy shots so i mean that's that's encouraging in a sense because they'll make a lot of those uh, going forward but yeah holiday was really because like if you look at the bucks you know what can they really improve upon for the next game and that's the big thing that jumps out i mean middleton i thought middleton was fine Giannis 
Giannis, I thought, played well, like I said, but he could just be a little more aggressive, take more shots. But the big thing would be – I think Brooke was, Brooke was fine too, I thought, offensively. But Holiday uh, can be a lot better than that. I don't know what was up with him. I don't know. Maybe it was the bright lights. Like you said, This that was his first finals game. Um, but he just looked out of sorts. He was just kind of throwing up some junk. He missed a couple of reads that I feel like he would normally make. But it's just one game, so I don't want to be too hard on him right now. But he he definitely could have been a lot better. Look, man, we we talked about this a lot. Like this was always my biggest concern with this Bucks team was their their depth or, or lack thereof, and obviously that's just been exacerbated by Divincenzo's absence. Like, how much are you missing him right now? A lot, well, because he's, he moves everybody up that shouldn't be up, and it, it's gonna be. It's going to be very interesting to see how Bud plays these lineups. And again, I, I know that he's getting, I think he's, again, I'll say this for him. I, some of the criticism is deserved, but I also think he's getting way too much shit. I mean, if you, if you look at that game, I mean, he, they literally started off switching everything, which I can tell you every single NBA media nerd and every single Bucks fan has wanted him to do forever. He switched it and look what happened. Then they went back to playing drop back defense. Look what happened. I mean, it, 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 it it doesn't help when Chris Paul is literally making everything. It felt like, it felt like literally it felt like every single shot that he was putting up there that, that they were making to me, the depth thing I understand to me, though, the biggest issue when we talked about this yesterday is where I want to see Budenholzer evolve as a head coach and make adjustments on the offensive side of the ball. This is three years in a row now where they've come into the playoffs and they have had uh, the best offense in basketball or one of the top three offense. Like the defense is still going to be there. Like, I mean, Milwaukee coming in, I think if, if you're a Bucks fan, you're a little bit surprised because they were – them and Phoenix, actually, they don't foul guys. And for Milwaukee to put Phoenix on the line 26 times, that that's a little bit alarming. But for me, it's more so on the offensive end. You know, I thought that they settled for way too many threes. Um, yes, like you said at the top, Milwaukee – uh, I actually outshot them from three, but I think a lot of that was Chris Middleton. I mean, Chris Middleton was on fire there in that third quarter for a little bit. And f- even he, even Forbes towards the end of the game, I yeah. think hit 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 a two or three consecutively yeah. that the bump that bumped it up a little bit. But yeah, yeah it I was, think yeah. some of those were I think were a little bit of of, of junk threes, so to speak. Right. But to me though, like you just 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 compare and contrast these teams offensively. You see Phoenix, like you know, even if they do it a lot, and and maybe. It's not like this this big, uh, you know, smart offense. It's just it's just a high screen pick and roll. And you see Milwaukee like they don't do that. You know, they try to go one on one and and just try to you know beat you to the hole every single time. And if they can't do it, they immediately oh we're gonna take it back out and shoot a three. Like there's no there's no flow to their offense. And when you watch Phoenix play, like there's flow there. Like everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And to me, that is the biggest difference in this in this series. Like I like. I just think that Boonholzer and the Bucks have to find a way to adjust. Like, I think that Giannis's injury, it's not an excuse by any means, but I think it, it compromises them. It compromised them a little bit in game one. We'll see how game two goes, where I think he was way more aggressive in uh, against Brooklyn and against Atlanta, where he was just, you know, he had a little bit of a move. It wasn't, it wasn't much of a move, but it was a little bit of a go-to move there on the block. And he would get to his spot. You know, he couldn't do that. He did it a couple times against Phoenix, but he couldn't do it all the time. To me, that's the biggest thing is Phoenix actually has an offense that flows. Everyone knows what they're doing. Well, Milwaukee just seems if their shots aren't falling, and especially if Drew Holiday isn't being aggressive, the offense is just stuck in mud. That's the biggest thing that I took away from game one is just our, the, the Bucks offense is just it's so frustrating to watch when they aren't being aggressive. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it does look disjointed. There's no denying that. And I think you're right about the Suns. Their offense just flows beautifully. Um, I would say that offensively, they don't have a weak point. You know, they're I'm not going to say they're like a perfect team, but they do remind me of those Warriors teams. They remind me of some of those Spurs teams. Like, it really is a, a beautiful thing to watch. And, and it's it very is. difficult. It's very, very difficult to guard. Um, I mean, the, the level of chemistry that Paul and Aiton have developed together is pretty astounding in such a short period of time, even just from the beginning of the season until now, uh, they've come a long way. And I mean, that that's really becoming one of the most lethal pick and rolls that, that I've ever seen. And yeah, they go to it a lot, but it's not quite like the Stockton and Malone where it's really just like a couple of slight variations. Like they have a lot of, a lot of variations and a lot of directions that, that they can go off of it. Um, but I just think, you know, Chris is, is about as devastating a pick and roll point guard as as you could hope for, especially with that mid range game in a playoff series. And then Aiton, I think, has become the best pick and roll finisher in the NBA. And, you know, he's got like I think every player, every athletic player has sort of a, a spot in the game or like a situation where they're at their most athletic, like their athleticism peaks in a certain situation. Like say with Giannis, it's in transition when he's at full speed, like there is nothing you can do with other guys. It's like their first step off the dribble uh, with other guys. It might be their step back or it might be off a put back. You know, everybody's got their, I think a, a, a spot where their peak athleticism kicks in with Deandre Ayton. I really think it's rolling when he rolls and, and, and just, takes those couple steps and goes up to catches it and goes up to dunk or goes up to catch the lob. Like, I feel like that's kind of his athletic peak. That's like the spot on the court where he's at his most athletic, if that makes sense. And I think that obviously lends itself really well to him being so lethal as a finisher in the pick and roll. So, you know, that's just a devastating conversation, uh, combination, combination, combination. I can't have a conversation. Um, <laughs> So I think, and that and that gets back to how does Milwaukee defend it? You know, like the switching, everything is tough when you only have so many guys that can switch, right? Like, uh, and that's where I think that depth becomes an issue because, like, look at your bench players, like Forbes, Bobby Portis was a disaster, I thought, defensively last night. Well, Team they all are, except except switch. for Connaughton. They, they're all disasters. Exactly. So you right, and even Brooke became kind of a liability. Like I thought he played admirably, but I wouldn't exactly call him a switchable big. So like I really think as, they only have one lineup where it's truly switchable all the way through, and that's with Giannis at the five and probably Connaughton in there too. Uh, and that's where you get into trouble once you have to tap into that bench, and there's guys that can just be taken advantage of or just destroyed, like Portis was by by Chris Paul uh, when they switch. So it's tough, man. Like, and and you know when you switch, like one of the main reasons you want to do it is to to force turnovers. But the Suns turn the ball over less than just about any team in the league. Um, but then you know, of course, with the drop coverage, that's that leaves you susceptible to to giving up threes and giving up mid range jumpers and stuff. Like it's really a pick your poison situation with the Suns, and that's what makes them so deadly. Yeah, I I I, I don't disagree. I just think that for me, the I was surprised though at how often Phoenix got to the free throw line. I I figured the game would go the way it will, but I did not see. Like I said, Phoenix going to the foul line twenty six times, and I, I think that's where Milwaukee has to be better, and they just can't follow those guys and. I would I would like to see them just just mix it up a little bit. I'm curious if you know if Giannis is more ready to go if he gets more comfortable and that knee holds up. Maybe they go to Giannis at the five a little bit more. But you know from again from an offensive standpoint, you know Milwaukee has to make their guards work. I, I thought Devin Booker did he actually did a pretty good job defensively. 
But I mean, you know, and I, I, we said it, we said it yesterday, you know, Nathan asked me, he said, Hey, who is, you know, he was talking about Chris Paul and Drew Holiday. I said, I, I don't think that Chris Paul is going to be guarding Drew Holiday. I bet you they're going to put Chris Paul on PJ Tucker. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did because they know that they need Chris Paul on the offensive end. I mean, he was Chris Paul. I mean, he was, he was the conductor yesterday, right? I mean, he, he had everything. I mean, Aiton was eight for 10. And I think probably oh, almost all of them came on, on Chris Paul lobs and maybe some putbacks, but you know, you Milwaukee has to figure out a way to make them work a little bit. And I also, I think that Milwaukee has to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. All right. What do we want? What do we want to do with Chris Paul? And I think that eventually they're going to have to just play Drew holiday on him extensively. And they're not going to be able to, to kind of save him. And Drew's going to have to fight over every single pick, but he's going to have to be the guy that's going to be on Chris Paul because we've seen when they, when Milwaukee switches, Chris Paul is going to get to his spot. You know, he's going to get to his spot every single time. And, you know, you, you can't always just sit there and hope and pray that he misses. I, I do think on the, on the offensive side of the ball, though, you know, Drew Holiday has to be aggressive and Chris Middleton has to be aggressive. They have to make Phoenix's guards guard, you know, and if, if PJ Tucker is going to be out there, you know, I don't know necessarily what you do with him offensively. I mean, he has been, he, the eye test tells me that he has not been good hitting those corner threes and, if he's not hitting those corner threes, I don't know what you do with him. You know, I, I think that Boone Holzer basically threw everything but the kitchen sink at Phoenix. Like I said, I think you just tip your hat off to Phoenix. They hit shots and they made their free throws. And, you know, what is Milwaukee going to do in game two? I don't think there's really much adjustment that they can do on the defensive side of the ball. To me, it's all offense. I, I think, like, let me rephrase that. If, defensively, maybe they stick Drew on, on Chris Paul exclusively. He fights over every single pick. But offensively, you know, they, Milwaukee has to be aggressive. If they're not aggressive, they don't, they don't stand a chance in this series. Like Drew Holiday has to be, you know, 20, 25 points a game. Chris Middleton, you know, someone said it today, and outside of the regular season, I think in the playoffs, maybe in one of those Miami games, I haven't seen Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday all at the same time have a great game. Like I'm talking yeah. about a great game. Like we just, we just saw – Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre have a great game. You know, we've seen – I think there was some stat yesterday that that Giannis, Giannis and Middleton together have been fantastic, and then Drew Holiday kind of comes and goes. But, you know, the Bucks' big three need to step up. You know, they, 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 they need to put the ball in the basket, and they have to step up. And, if, like I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but if they aren't aggressive, this, this series is going to be long for Milwaukee, as in it's going to be short for Phoenix. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's, 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 you know, they need, they need to figure something out big time here that's an interesting point though like when was the last time all three of those guys had a great game in the way that eight and paul and booker did last night and you're right man it has been a while we haven't seen that very often and it's like it does make you wonder like why is that happening if like if two of them are having a great game does that mean somebody's getting their toes stepped on like is there just sort of some lack of chemistry there well, but let, let me ask you this because i i was talking with with some of my buddies last night and i'm wondering if they, they stagger Giannis and Drew Holiday a little bit more where Drew Holiday is on the court a lot more when Giannis is off the court just to kind of – so Drew can kind of attack. You know, I think uh, offensively when Giannis isn't in the game, you, you just see it. You saw it last year too in the playoff, in the bubble. Uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton just attack, attack. It's, it's nonstop. And, you know, even Eric Bledsoe was able to do that last year. And I'm just curious if, if maybe offensively just to get a spark out of Drew and get him going a little bit, hey – you know, Giannis is going to be on the bench, and Drew, you're going to be in there with the second unit more more often, 
just to get him going a little bit. I wonder if they do something like that. But other than that, I mean, like, I just thought Phoenix played perfectly. I, I do think there's a lot for Milwaukee to work on. I think that, as as we said in the first half, I, it felt like they missed every single layup. Um, like it was, it was, it was, it was like, come on guys. But, you know, they got to their spots in that first half. They just, they just couldn't make layups and, and Phoenix just, you know, the free throws just kept, you know, it pulled them away and away. And then Chris Paul just went nuclear in that third quarter. But when all was said and done, I mean, at one point in the fourth quarter, it was a seven point game. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like Milwaukee, no. you know, they just, they just threw in the towel. And that's what I want to say too. Like, I, I really do think it was a much closer game than like the final score would indicate, or than just the talk about it has indicated um because yeah even in that nuclear third quarter like the bucks were still hanging around for most of it it was like you know like the suns would get up by maybe 15 or 16 and then the bucks would get it to 11 and then of course yeah in the fourth like bren hit a couple of threes pat hit a three and it was like yeah, it was at seven at one point like so they never really went away so i think all things considered it could have been a lot worse i do think it was a lot closer than than it seems but I don't know, man. I just think the kind of the separating factor at this point might be the defensive versatility. I just think the Suns have more of that. They just have guys like Bridges, Crowder, former Buck Tory Craig, guys that can just switch. Champ, NBA guys, champion Tory Craig. He's already hey, an NBA man. champion. Ah, man, you got uh, he, he he could really help you guys right now. He's kind of exactly exactly what you might need. But Anyway, I just I think that's kind of the big advantage for Phoenix right now, and I just think when Milwaukee has to tap into that bench, they're they're going to get picked apart a little bit. Um, but yeah, I do I like the I like the Giannis at center stuff. I think we're just going to need to see as much of that as possible. Um, it was really fun watching him and Aiton go at it in the first half, especially when Giannis was a little more energized. It seemed like um, that's a that's such a fun matchup. And, and man, just a shout out to eight and two. I, I just, I think I'm so impressed with that kid. Like I know I already talked about how good he is as a pick and roll finisher, but uh, I thought defensively he was great. Like I think he was a big part of why Milwaukee didn't have a ton of success at the rim and his rebounding. I mean, I, I was going to uh, do a post about this or write a little something about it. And I still might, but I was thinking about it. Like we talk about uh, like pure shooters, pure point guards. Like I think there's such a thing as a pure rebounder. And I think that's what DeAndre Ayton is. He's just a rebounder, man. He's got not only this elite athleticism and elite length, but he's got great instincts and he's quick getting to the boards. Like I was looking at the rebound percentage stats in the NBA and everybody in that top 10 is like a guy who camps out in the paint on defense. Okay. Whether it's like Ennis Cantor, like Jonas Valanciunas, uh, guys like that. Um, but then you have, Aiton on there and Aiton's a guy that gets out on the floor a lot more than those guys and I saw that even last night where he would get out toward the perimeter and then he'd still be able to come back and get the rebound and I mean I, I don't what how many boards did he did he have a 2020 game last night he, I think 19? he was close to it I mean, something was, like that very close to it man I just think I know like he averages about 10 and a half on the season he's that's about his career average too so he's not like the he's not like a volume rebounder but he's like a pure rebounder he's a rebounder's rebounder and I actually think he's one of the best in the league. I think the only guy I'd put ahead of him is, is maybe Capella, but, uh, and I think he's one of the best we've seen in a long time. And I could see him, you know, really maybe leading the league and rebounding uh, one of these years, but that that's just been so impressive to me. And I know like the bucks had a lot of smaller lineups out there and I know Brooks, not exactly like a terror on the boards, no, but, man, he but was, he's been he doing great. it, he's, but he's been doing it all playoffs and all great. season and his entire career. And I think, you know, if you look especially at his per 36 numbers, they're they're pretty damn high. So that that's the thing that 
I, you know, I don't know if it gets talked about enough. It's just how good that guy is as a rebounder. Didn't it feel like, I think it was in the, like mostly in the third, he was just gobbling up everything and then starting the break. He's so valuable on both ends. I just can't say enough about that kid. I mean, he's, he, he's surpassed a lot of centers in like the top five, top 10 center conversation this season. Like I, I think he's got a good argument as like the third best center in the league right now for, for the modern game. Uh, and, you know, I think before this season, I don't know how many people would have even had him in like the top seven or eight. So he's, he's really uh, increased his, his stock value this year. There's no yeah, doubt he, about that, especially he, he, in the playoffs. He's been really good. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not willing to go that far yet, but I mean, I, I can't really argue with it. I mean, he's been fantastic to me though. You know, I will kind of uh, go back to what we said at the top. I, I he has benefited probably from more than any other player that I've seen uh, playing with Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul has brought out the, the absolute best in him. And, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, even, you know, diehard Bucks fan. I mean, it, it's fun to watch Phoenix play, play basketball. It's fun to watch them on the offensive end. I mean, Chris Paul to me is, you hear Chuck say it all the time, man. He, one of the best leaders in all of sports. And he just, he his brain is so far advanced on how to play the point guard position than anybody that that I've seen in a really long time. I mean, he just he knows where his spots are. He knows where to get this guy the ball, that guy the ball, this guy the ball. I mean, he just he sees the court so he, he's beautifully. On, he's on another level, man. And like he he's all he's always been a, a highly cerebral point guard. There's no doubt about that. Even going back to his first couple of years in the league, but you know, as with most players, like that increases over time. And with a guy like Chris Paul, it increases a lot. And I mean, now that we see him at age 36, like he's as good as he's ever been. And I just think that's a big part of it is like the level at which he sees the game now. It's just that, yeah, like very few players before him. I mean, he's probably on the Mount Rushmore of basketball IQ at this point. I would think it's safe to say. And, and yeah, man, like that's brought like he's he's opened a lot of things up for Aiton and he's made Aiton's life a lot easier and you know Aiton just didn't have that kind of a pick and roll point guard ever before but I also think he's brought out like a and I don't want to give Chris Paul all the credit for the Suns success or for Aiton's improvement that Aiton deserves a lot of credit the Suns deserve a lot of credit but I do think Chris has brought out like a um just a level of tenacity of uh of dog in DeAndre Aiton that I hadn't seen before Aiton played a little soft his first couple years and in this season and especially in the playoffs um he's he's been a lot more aggressive like he really wants it and that's that's a scary proposition for opposing teams i agree i agree so let's let's go on to game two so this is probably going to drop today it is it is wednesday uh, july 7th so we have game two tomorrow what are you looking for from either team take take it wherever you want to go Oh man, I mean, I'm looking. I, I guess Drew, Drew is going to be the big thing for the Bucks because that was the thing that really stuck out like a sore thumb to me was just, was just Drew, Drew almost look, playing a little confused out there. Um, like his decision making was really questionable. Some of the shots he was throwing up were really questionable. So that's going to be what I'm looking for probably uh, offensively for the Bucks. And then, yeah, like what are they going to do to to defend that pick and roll? Like you have to do something. You, you have to try something else personally I like the, like we, what you were talking about as far as putting drew on uh, just exclusively on CP3 and maybe when drew's not in the game Connaughton can be that guy fighting over screens um but that's easier said than done man like there's a reason that you know they haven't always done that but um but yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that I mean they, they got to do something and one other one thing I will be looking at um that I haven't really heard talked about at all uh was do you remember when 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 Chris got Zaza Pachulia by 
Brooke Lopez on that three-pointer and rolled his ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he obviously, you know, he went on to have a phenomenal game after that. It didn't seem to affect him. But I'll be curious to see um, how he looks in game two, you know, with only a day's rest on that ankle. Like, is that going to swell up on him? I, th I think he'll be fine. I, I think I've... he will be too, but I think it's something to keep an eye on. Like, I, you know, it, it could limit him from having another performance at that level if it were to sort of swell up and start bothering him. Because that was it, – it didn't roll all the way over, but it, it was still a pretty gnarly-looking ankle sprain. And it, I think it's just a little something to keep an eye on. Uh, but other than that, man, I just expect to see more of the same from the Suns in their building. Lots of energy, killing them with that pick and roll. And if, if, they, if they're three-star falling a little bit more, like, it, it could get ugly if Milwaukee doesn't make some serious adjustments. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for Drew Holiday to be aggressive. Uh, yeah. I think that he needs to be aggressive. I, I think that Chris Middleton, he needs to continue to play his game, and, and we'll see what we get out of Giannis. But for me, this is all, this is all on the offensive side for, for Milwaukee. You know, they, they have yeah. to be able to, to put up points, and, and Drew Holiday has to be able – to get to the paint and he's got to be aggressive. Stop shooting that three point shot, go to the hole. I, I mean, as much as, you know, we've kind of had of a, a Chris Paul love fest here and rightfully so. I mean, he, he absolutely deserves it, but he's also 36. Uh, Drew Holiday, can, he's, he's not as good defensively as he once was. And, and Drew Holiday can get by him. I mean, that, does, that doesn't mean Chris Paul isn't going to put up a fight, but uh, Drew Drew's Holiday, a lot bigger too. You know, I, a, I think, you know, we, we saw that against Miami. Like we see, we see this a lot against uh, smaller guards. I mean, Drew can really use his size, uh, to his advantage. So, yeah, I'd like to see more of that too, man. Yeah. And, and, like, I, I, I'll i just say this last thing too for game two. I think Giannis is going to look a lot better. Like, I, I really do. I think physically he's he's fine, and I think he's going to be a lot more aggressive. And I, I know you said you didn't want them to play him in game one, but I, I look at it kind of like it, game one was just a hurdle. Like, you just had to get that out of your way. Like, okay, I played this game. I got through it. I'm okay. I'm no worse for the wear. I'm going to be that much more aggressive, that much more confident in game two. I just think no matter when his first game back was, it was going to be a little bit of a hurdle confidence-wise to get over. And I think it's probably benefits the Bucs that, that he's gotten out of that out of the way now. And I think he's going to look like his normal self in game two. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, wills them, if not to a victory, at least to a, a very hard-fought hard game. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I like your your optimism on that. That's, that's, that's reassuring. But like I said, I, I do I do expect Milwaukee to win. The, uh, I do expect them to win game two. Um, obviously, I'm going to be a nervous wreck, but I just think that Milwaukee's going to come up more aggressive. You know, they're they're the desperate team here, and if they can just get one, then we have a series. And if they you know if they go down 2-0, I mean, it's not the first time they've been down 2-0 this this playoffs. But I, I think it's going to be extremely difficult with Giannis a little bit limited, but. You know, we'll see. I like I said, I I'm expecting Drew Holiday to have to have a bounce back game, and I expecting him. I'm expecting him to be very aggressive, and I, I think if, if he does that, and everybody else falls into place, and they just just stop following, uh, stop following, because Milwaukee's entire defense there is predicated on they're gonna they they're gonna take away the corner three, which Phoenix loves to do. They're going to not follow you, and you know you can you can have those top of the three keys, and they're gonna give up that mid range, and I think that if if you ask Milwaukee how game one went, and I think they would tell you outside of the free throws, they were pretty happy. And I think that's kind of got to be the game plan. They'll continue to, if you want to switch every couple of plays and then go back to drop back defense and or have Drew Holiday, I think you have to continue to give them different looks and you can't follow these guys because they're a really, really good free throw shooting team. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix were the two best teams in the NBA at not following. 
So it was, you know, I, I think that from Phoenix's point of view, you kind of expect them not to put Milwaukee on the line too much. But I think from, from Milwaukee's point of view, like you, you have to clean that up. Because to me, yes, Chris Paul was great. He deserves everything that he's going to get today. Um, and in Phoenix, I don't know how much better they can play. I know, like you said, maybe they hit a couple more threes. But, I mean, the free throw shooting was the biggest difference for me. And, and yeah. they, they, if they want any chance, they have to clean that up. But I think Brett, man, hey, little uh, little emergency podcast. Uh, Jacob wasn't here. I just talked to him yesterday. He's He's got a big uh, – there's a big soccer match today. Little pit – I'm sorry, a big football match today. He's he, – He's got the he's got the pitch going on, so I know it's it's I believe it's uh I think it's Denmark and 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 the UK today, so definitely going to be tuning in for that. But uh, Brett, I appreciate us jumping on, and well, you know what? Hey, what is we'll uh, we'll probably be back Friday uh, afternoon to record another one, get a little reaction. But um, Brett, hey man, this was this was fun, man. Good talking. Yeah. To you. I haven't talked to you in a while. I was going to say that, man. It was great talking to you. It does feel like it's been a while. I was uh, you know obviously out of town last week, and then we sort of pushed back our weekly pod from Sunday until today. So it it sort of feels like an eternity, man. Yeah, great, great to talk to you, man, especially especially about the Bucks, even though y'all were on the losing end. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get a better performance in game two, I'm sure. I, I think this is going to be an awesome series, though. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a quick series either way. I really think it's – I'm not saying it's going to go seven, but I just think it's going to be a really entertaining series, and uh, I'm just looking forward to the rest of it, no doubt. I love it, man. Let's go. Like I said, man, this is a diehard series. And if you want good basketball and you don't want super teams or anything like that, yeah. this, is, this is this is the series for you. But um, yes. for myself and Brett, overstated peeps, we're out. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bucks and six.